0: Welcome back to the What's Your Walmart podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris. Here we are, episode 99, one from 100. So stoked about that. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show here. But for this podcast episode, I kind of want to dive into housing. Surprise, surprise, right? But we talk about it a lot on here. But, you know, for me, there's a lot of naysayers out there about the housing market, whether it's online or, you know, I've done numerous podcasts about this. But the data continues to keep coming in. You know, one of the things that we know is that the housing market is one of the strongest markets that's still out there in the inflationary environment that we're in right now. And I think that the data that just came in from July. So yesterday on September 26, we've got multiple indexes that came in for the month of July. The FHFA, which is the Federal Housing Finance Agency index, came in, which measures you know uh, the 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 pricing of all homes that are being financed, um, and as far as appreciation route, it shows the appreciation of the homes, so the price points of the homes that are being financed, and that's that's a real critical cool component here. And then the second index that we have that comes through on there is going to be the Case-Shiller Index. And that's uh, that's brought to you by the S&P. So it's considered the gold standard, if you may, of measuring home appreciations uh, during the month of July. And I think what's interesting about that is it had been down a little bit uh, previously. I think those three last consecutive months have been uh, kind of a negative number, very small, less than, you know, you know, 1%, but this month it was up. And I think that what's interesting is that the Case-Shiller index, it actually measures all transactions. So you get financed and you get cash transactions in there. And one of the things that we had been measuring over the last three months was that cash is king, right? So with cash being king, there was this notion, there was this thought that the index should be lower because with cash, you can negotiate a better deal with someone than maybe a person that's trying to finance property. And on the FHFA, it had been continuing to keep going up and up and up. And the argument was, well, when you have someone financing, they're not as equipped, if you may, to strike a deal with the seller that doesn't necessarily have to sell the property um, pending. There's no like major critical life component change, divorce, death in the family, loss of job, et cetera. They're just selling their home to see what they can get. You're kind of at the mercy of the seller and the price point associated. Associated with that, that you're necessarily not going to get the best of deals compared to someone that may be paying cash. So that was the logic behind what we were tracking over the last 90 days. But what we know now is that both indexes are up. And what we know now that, you know, if you go back into 2022, um, you know, especially on the FHFA, the index, it had been uh, off a little bit in the back half of 2022. It was up pretty high, 9% on the first half of the year of 2022, and then fell down 3% on the back half. So you got a net gain of 6% on the year, but here in 2023, we've already made up all of that ground and then some with a projection of somewhere between 5 to 8% on the year. So think about this, like homes that are selling under contract, under financing terms and conditions, are gaining 8%, 5 to 8% appreciation dependent on your region and your market. That's insane considering where the rates are right now. We're at 23 year high on rates and yet we're still seeing that kind of uh, appreciation and upward price points. The reason that's important is that that shows you the market's not going backwards. You know, we continue to talk about that, that, you know, even with all the things being stacked against buyers right now, we have higher rates, we have, you know, some of the lowest levels of affordability are what's coming out right now. We have, uh, you know, multiple offers. I mean, it is said right now that each contract is coming, that is being accepted, each seller is being presented on average now. It could be different in your market. It could be different in markets that are, are, you know, across the country, but on average, 3.7 offers per home being sold. I mean, that is demand. That is absolute demand in property. We keep talking about this demand. I'm not gonna go on about it because you know I know I, re- I repeat myself on this, but I've talked about this pent-up demand that's happening. I think at 3.7, we're not even scratching the pent-up demand. This is just the demand that's kind of filtering to the surface. that says, hey, listen, I'm gonna take advantage of the market now. And you know, you may be looking at this going, cute, what in the hell do you mean take advantage of this market? Rates are at, you know, sink 775 right now as I'm talking, you know, is what bankrate.com's, you know, uh, projecting, but advantage of the market is the ability to buy in now before that appreciation goes from five to 8% to much higher when these rates drop. You know We talk about this, that when these rates drop, and again, when is the question, not if, when they drop. When these rates drop, and if you listened to our last episode about the dot plot map, you probably saw that we, you know showed the different forecasts in there as we were breaking down the dot plot map. So there is a significant notion that over the next year, year and a half, we're going to see them drop. When they drop, what kind of frenzy is that going to create? Are we going to go from 3.7 offers to 10 offers, to 12, to 37? I mean, it wasn't that long ago in 2020 and 2021, we were getting double digit offers per property. I mean, we, you know, you remember what the fear of missing out is? You know, it was, it was a real thing and that people were jumping in and offering price points, contingencies were being waived, appraisal gaps were being put in there. I mean, you know it, you saw it, you lived it, whether you were a buyer, whether you were a seller, whether you were an agent, whether you were a mortgage lender, I mean, it was pure pandemonium. Think about what that's going to look like this time around, maybe in 2024, late, maybe in 2025. What is it going to look like when those rates drop down again? I mean, we're in the highest rate environment in 23 years. We're in an inflationary market right now, and we're in a a fragile financial system. And yet the home prices are going up, and they're continuing to rise. Uh, Granted, I realize there's sub markets where it may be flat, maybe even gone backwards a little bit. But that is not the case of what we saw during 08. It's not the case that we saw during 09 or 10. I mean, those, obviously it was brought on by real estate, but we saw significant losses during that time. And, you know, and when I take a look at our markets and where we are, it is much different. And now that the Case-Shiller Index, again, which is considered the gold standard, has actually now turned to an upward trend, this brings on a really significant question that, okay, is cash now having to compete with other cash offers? Or is cash having to compete with other people that have better financing terms and conditions than their cash offer? And is the market actually getting to a point now to where cash may not be king in that particular scenario? Or are sellers, which I think this is what's happening, I think sellers are going, you know what, I don't have to sell. Not only do I not have to sell, I'm very comfortable where I am. And unless you give me this price that is five to 8% higher than what I'm expecting, than what I'm expecting, that's key because we know expectations of sellers sometimes can be higher than what the market tends. I don't need to sell. And now that I don't need to sell, I'm not gonna sell. So I think that that's important here in this, because in this, I think that's what this index is actually showing and representing to us right now in this particular marketplace. And for me, that's very interesting, especially considering where we are in the market. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. So it's interesting to me that the Case Schiller is the gold standard. Because when I take a look at the FHFA index, what's interesting about that FHFA index, you know, that is the index that the agencies of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac look at to determine the conventional loan limit. So let me kind of break this down for you here. So right now, the conventional loan limit is $726,200. 726200 two hundred. When I first got in this business years ago, I mean, that number was 256 and some change. And of course, that was 22 years ago. But it eventually got up to $417,000. It stayed at that number for almost 10 years before it moved. Why? Well, because this index, this FHFA index, did not show an appreciation rate that garnered the agencies to move that conforming loan limit up. Well, this is on pace now to be the third year in a row for it to be up. Now, keep in mind, last year, it was up 6%, a flat 6%. Well, a little some change, right? But it was up 6%. The conventional loan limit was raised significantly on that 6%. If we are on track to be between 5 and 8%, this conventional loan limit could be well over 750000 $775,000 going into 2024. And it's all based and it's all predicated on this index. And that is why I think this index is extremely important to follow. And extremely important to look at, and that announcement will be coming in the month of November, and that's because when we get these indexes, they're always two months rolling. So when we get the when we get the announcement, it will. You know, right now we're getting in September. That's July's data. So when we get September's data, which will be in November, that's when they make the announcement of the increase in the FHFA loan limits for conventional Fannie and Freddie, and then HUD follows. Now those numbers are different from HUD, obviously, because those are per county basis and they're based on AMI much different things than, um, well, not much different, but the actual loan limit is different than the loan limit for conventional. But it all starts with this FHFA. And I do think it's interesting we refer to the case shiller as the gold standard and i think it's the gold standard because it's s&p and you know it's got a lot of credentials and it measures cash and it measures things fhfa don't but don't sleep on the fhfa index because that determines your loan limits and that determines what the conventional market is going to adopt as new loan limits moving forward and again just based on historical you know context Last year, k Schiller was up, or excuse me, um, FHFA was up 6%. Um, you know, it started high at nine, fell off 3% in the second half. So the year ended at 6% appreciation and we got a significant jump. We got over a 70,000, I think it was like an eight, almost 80,000 jump to conventional loan limit the next year. What happens again if we're at five to 8% on this one? That's going to be really interesting because again, we could be very close to that 800,000 mark if if we stay on the pace of what we're doing right now. And if history continues to show and repeat itself as it's done over the course of the last two years, I think we could be seeing a much higher conventional loan limit again this year. And that's why these two indexes are so important to watch. So as we recap the show here, Case Shiller, it involves the cash transactions. And that's what we've been tracking over the last 90 days. And to see that number go up now in a positive manner, not a negative, is representing is cash king? Or do we have sellers that are holding their grounds? Or do we have sellers that just don't need to sell right now? Because quite frankly, they're locked in to that lock-in effect we've been talking about for so long on here. And then also on the FHFA side of things, that measures finance transactions. And we're starting to see all of those numbers go up and we're starting to see 5 to 8% you know forecasted for the remainder of the next 2 months and again if we get that number what does that mean for the conventional loan limits it could mean increases in that to help offset some of the higher home prices so the affordable financing can be done on that so as we turn the page here next episode's a big one guys it's our 100th episode um, if you like what you're hearing, share this podcast. Five-star review it on Google, Amazon, uh, Spotify. Leave some comments. We love it when you guys get it. Matter of fact, some of the ones you guys have been leading is going to lead to our next couple episodes, 101 and 102. Uh, some of the comments you're, you're leaving for us on there, it's great feedback, and we're definitely getting ready to dive into that stuff. Um, but again, check us out on our YouTube channel. There'll be some graphs on there at What's Your One More with the number one, and our socials at What's Your One More uh, with the number one. And as we go into the 100th episode, man, it's a special one, we got a chance to sit down with Mr. Maurice Hennessy. Himself. And he is an eighth generation uh, Hennessy, and he's the last one. And what's special about this is uh, Charlie and I went and did a mobile podcast with him. And, uh, you know, when you think about the brand that Moet Hennessy combined to make, uh, it encumbers a ton of stuff, 27 different brands, matter of fact, as we find out. Uh, whether you drink any of that or you drink at all the appreciation of an icon sitting in front of you uh, whose family date back to the 1800s in making you know one of the oldest liquors and one of the oldest spirits known to man is, pretty darn cool when you think about it. And he shares some really great stories. And he had one heck of a personality. And uh, he cracked us up throughout the show. And He was kind enough to uh, not only educate us about, you know, the cognac and the Hennessy brand, but also bring some very, very rare Hennessy to the show and uh, walk us through the journey of what that was and what it took to make that and how many years went into that particular spirit. And uh, we were joined by Martin Nicolosi who is the uh, SVP of North America for the Moet Hennessy private brand and then we had uh, we had uh, Rhonda on the show as well who was so kind to grace us with her presence Uh, super enthusiastic about the brand super enthusiastic about uh, the Moet Hennessy private collection and you know she was there representing the Moet Hennessy private client division of London and Paris as well as North America it was just a really special moment and uh, it's something I can't describe I can't wait for you guys to hear it Um, but till the next episode guys uh, check it out episode 100 is pretty amazing at what's your one more i got one more shot i'm gonna make it one more chance i'm gonna take it i meant it when i said it now it's time for me to do it i got one lot to live so i put all into it yeah